Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I hear you and I've got you. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, registered dietitian, nutritionist, board-certified health and wellness coach, and mindful self-compassion teacher. I'm also an author and podcast host with over 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. Hey everybody, Dr. Ellen here, the Midlife Whisperer. Thank you so much for joining me today. We have a great show for you, but a rather serious topic that I'm actually super excited about because um, I haven't talked about this, I don't think, on my podcast before. We're really going to talk a little bit about trauma. And I know what you might be thinking, you hear trauma and it's like, no, Dr. Ellen, that's not me. Trauma is for people like, you know, war veterans, people who have, you know, been mugged, been raped, gone through some kind of child abuse. But I'm here to say that most, if not every single one of us has experienced trauma, you know, and we have this label trauma, but the reality of it is, is that. Yes, all of those things I just mentioned are really awful, but the what, what the key with the, the trauma thing is we go into overwhelmed and all overwhelm and all of us have experienced that in our lives. I know that I have. And one of the key things to do if you want to rock your midlife is to heal your trauma. And today's guest is really going to help you. Help you. She is Madeline Ain. She's a psychotherapist, a pain educator, a yoga and breathwork teacher. And she's really going to help us to rebirth ourselves at midlife life through transformational breath work. And I know, you know, myself, um, I've had a lot of therapy. I've done a lot of healing in my life. And I have to say, if you know, if you had seen me 10 years ago, you would not recognize me. I had clinical depression. I experienced a ton of trauma when I was a little girl, you know, three, four five years old. My parents fought all the time. They still fight. They are together. They are in their 90s. I think, I guess they've been married, what, like 70-ish years at this point. They adore each other. They love each other. That's how they communicate. But when I was three, four, five years old, I didn't understand that. And I would see them and I would literally go into the closet and I would hide. And that was trauma seeing my parents fight overwhelmed me. And so, you know, fast forward 30 years, I'm an adult. I'm in a relationship. I was married for 25 years and my ex-husband and I fought all the time. And instead of dealing with it in a mature fashion, I literally went into the closet. I was like, I can't deal with this. This is too much. I'm overwhelmed. So that's just an example that, yes, we think about these terrible things like, you know, PTSD and rape and, uh, you know, child abuse is trauma. But pretty much most of us have been in these periods in our life where we have gone into overwhelm. Just think about circumstances like job loss, death of someone close, betrayal in a close relationship. Um, not knowing how to pay for your basic needs, a car accident, working under stress in a demanding job. What happens is when we don't process and heal our trauma, when we experience things that trigger that, whether that is, you know, a close relationship, I still am working on some things. There's people in my life who trigger these things in me and I'm becoming more aware. What happens is we go into the stress response. And when we go into the stress response, um, our body starts to generate cortisol, which is the hormone of fight and flight. 
And what that does is it increases inflammation. And of course, inflammation is at the root of pretty much all of the chronic diseases from you know heart disease, cancer, uh, chronic fatigue, all of these things. And so if you're experiencing those things at midlife, it's really time to take a lens and, and, and do some healing. And I'm here to say that yes, healing work is uh, challenging. But today's show is really going to give you the keys to start to do that work. And the beautiful thing is when you heal your trauma and you really go into these difficult, dark spaces, preferably with a trained professional who knows how to do this work. I know I was working with a psychotherapist who's very trained in what's called EDMR, which is a certain technique where you bring up these, these traumatic experiences and you sort of um, reintegrate them as an adult so that you can function and they don't trigger you constantly. The beautiful thing is that when you go to these dark places, you experience more light. When you go and you, you know, you go into these places where you were angry, where you were frightened, where you were frustrated, where you're overwhelmed, and you start to process the difficult emotions, you experience more joy, you experience more love, you experience more of the truth of who you are, and you're really able to move forward in your life in a beautiful way. So I encourage you to maybe grab a piece of paper and a pencil because you're going to learn a lot from my guest, maybe a box of Kleenex. But but you know, before we kind of dive into the work, I want to let you know that um, trauma is you're able to heal your trauma and integrate it into your life. Yes, it takes work. And you have to relearn your survival tactics, relearn what's no longer needed. Um, but it really is such an important part of the process of rocking your midlife. So let me introduce you to uh, our guest again. She is Madeline, um, Madeline Ames. She is a psychotherapist, a pain educator, a yoga and breathwork teacher. She has been working in the area of mental health and healing trauma for over three decades. Her focus lies now on helping women heal old conditioning and patterns so they can embrace real freedom at midlife. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife. So good to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Allen. I'm, I'm really excited to be here and have this conversation with you today. Yeah, I'm so glad you approached me because I haven't talked about trauma. And I know that I, I, I'm not a licensed psychotherapist. I'm a coach and I do work on the, these things. It's kind of from an energetic vibration. So I'm really excited to, to dive into it with someone who is a clinician who, you know, knows how to work with this on another level. So I guess to start, how do you define trauma? Yeah, that's such a great question because I think you're, you're, you know, we do steer away from the topic of, of trauma, um, because we are so conditioned in exactly how you just introduced it. We think of traumas for veterans or having like one of those big T traumas when, you know, what you described just now for a little girl is, is traumatic. And it's those little T traumas, like the little T traumas that I see more often than the obvious ones, shall we say. So in what you just described right now, there's those moments in our life where we didn't feel safe for whatever reason. We didn't feel safe to be ourselves in our body because we were overwhelmed and we didn't have a chance or we didn't have support or we didn't have the context to be able to feel it and, and express it. So those little moments, those, those little moments, it's, it's those moments of overwhelm where 
what was coming at you was too much for your little nervous system or your bigger nervous system. And in today's world, so that's how I would describe it. Those moments of overwhelm that are too stimulating for your own nervous system in the moment. So yeah, you shut we, down. It could be something so simple as like you're six years old and you lose your best stuffed animal and your mother is like, come on, we, you know, you're, we're late for the appointment. And you're like, I just lost, you know, Buffy. And you're exactly. just like overwhelmed and you just yes. decide I'm never going to love anything again because right. if I love something, moment, I, I can lose it. Exactly. And if you die, if you dove into that moment, um, you know, there's, there's sadness, there's maybe anger at someone else for having, you know, put it in a, a, you know, another place where it got lost or anger at yourself. And, and it's not like you have to go back. I want your, your listeners to hear that you don't have to go back and go through everything that's happened to you because in today's world, things are happening all the time that leave us in overwhelm. And we don't have that society, particularly for women that, um, and, and men, uh, absolutely, when it comes to certain emotions, that it's always not always safe to be able to express or describe or even talk about how you're feeling inside your body. So what you described, you know, going into fight or flight, but even more often going into the freeze, the mm. shutdown, right. the, the numbing out, the, you know, the not being able to feel what's happening in my body. Because I mean, that's why these conversations are so important because willingly we don't often go into those dark places, you know, until maybe life sometimes, unfortunately, presents us a situation where we have to. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about uh, your journey and how you decided to focus on the midlife transition. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I would say most recently, um, about four years ago, you know, just talking about when life gives you those circumstances that, you know, uh, you, you actually have to face yourself. You, you actually have to feel now what's in your body. Uh, so about four years ago, we made a move to a new town um, and uh, I was working, um, you know, we, we didn't, I didn't know a lot of people. I was just busy getting, you know, I'd been busy for a long time. I'd been busy for decades. I had, I had closed a practice that was um, always had a wait list that, uh, you know, I was doing trauma work day in, day out looking, bringing up kids. I was, I was uh, busy with my family. And all of a sudden it was like, I was dropped into a new place, um, got my older son settled in school. And very shortly after that, uh, COVID hit. Hmm. And so all of my, um, all of my social connections, all my, my work that was, and I hadn't even, you know, set up another practice went online. And um, so I was working, uh, teaching, doing some counseling online, but what I found in that gap, in that period of time that I found that I was really tired because there was no kind of escaping myself anymore. There was no kind of distracting myself. And I realized that I was, I was very tired. I was fatigued and I was burnt out. And I would have found that out eventually, <laughs> I would hope, but it, it surprised me because I work with women all the time around self-care, taking time out, looking after your, you know, your, your body. And here I was 
I was burnt out. And so I, you know, for a while there, I was trying to get busy again and it just wasn't working. It, it, it was COVID. And at a certain point, I, I had to, I suppose. I also chose to just let go. And what happened there, and this, what I really want women to hear is that that letting go can feel, that surrendering can feel like giving up. You know, so the inner critic, the loud voice in my head was coming up going, well, what are you going to do? Like, what, what are you doing? How, how are you going to make money? Like, what's going to happen to you? I was in my early 50s, and that was the chatter. When we start, as you said, letting go of those ways of coping with what might be happening in, in your body. So I slowed down and I made a conscious intention to, you know, to move through some of the layers of anxiety that were coming up. And as I did, it didn't get better overnight. I'll tell you that much. It took a while. And eventually I was kind of going to my office, you know, teaching a, a class for the pain clinic. I was working because all the programs were online and I would go and rest in between and I would do something and I would rest in between. And so you can imagine the inner voice that I had to contend with. <laughs> I just got supper on the table and oh, that was enough for a day. Yeah, I love that you're sharing the story and the vulnerability because there's so many elements of that, which I think even though you're a therapist and you sort of are supposed to kind of know better and see these things, we don't always see ourselves. But first, the busyness, right? So often when we're experiencing difficulties in our lives, it's a lot of, especially if you're kind of a workaholic or you, you're like, okay, I'll just stay busy. I mean, we are addicted to busyness because when we're busy, we don't have to face the difficulties that we're experiencing. You know, I'm just staying on that treadmill, but getting to this place where it's just, it was too much. And then yeah. just having the courage to let go. And I see this a lot with my clients, women who have sort of, you know, been in these corporate jobs their whole lives and their whole identity, like what you're saying, my identity, my livelihood is all connected with this job. And this job is actually starting to make me sick. My, and overwhelm yes. is saying, you know, it's time, it's time to take a look at this, but how, you know, and as we start to let go, these layers of anxiety that are there because our self-definition is so wrapped up in who we yes. are with this career. And then there's all of this fear associated with this with women too. It's like, well, if I don't, if I'm not this, then who am I? If I'm not my job, then who am I? And if I'm not getting the steady paycheck, how am I going to live? And often if we can sort of just step away a little bit and calm our nervous system down, we can start to get solution focused and see, like I was working with a client the other day and she's in a three bedroom house in California that she's having trouble, like it's expensive. And I was like, well, why didn't you get a roommate or two? And she's like, well, I'm really actually kind of lonely because my daughter left. And so I could, you know, we can look and find solutions. So yeah. what was the point that you were, you know, able to, to just quit? Did you just sort of drop it all and give yourself like a sabbatical or what was the transition period like for you? Yeah, that, yeah, that's a great question because we, the whole idea of busyness as a badge of honor and our identity, I think really comes in. I had a really fast track into midlife here that may have taken me a bit longer, but I realized that these are the things that come up for women often at midlife anyway, at a certain point. So I still, you know, dragged 
<laughs> dragged myself in front of the camera and taught my classes. And I actually really enjoyed that. I realized I enjoyed that hour of teaching. And then I would really let go and rest and eat well. And I would, one thing I would do, because I have a dog, is that I would walk morning and night, morning and night. And it became like my, you know, like my, it was like a staple. It was something I, then I had to do. I really emphasize that having those, just some kind of regular habit or routine that you can count on during those, those periods of transition, anything. Maybe it's your morning routine. Maybe it's your, your breath work or meditation, or maybe it's walking. And so I continued that way for quite a while. Um, and then I realized, you know, there were two more layers that came, because it's a never ending journey. There were two more layers that came after that, that I am sure if I stayed busy, I would have never discovered this because there was no amount of mindset work that could get me out of nervous system um, depletion. You know, I tell myself good things and it's like, oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> um, so the next thing that happened was that I discovered in conversation with family um, that I had processed things very differently in my nervous system than the rest of my siblings had. And I, I came into this in my 50s to realize that I, I was one of those categories of 20% of people who are highly sensitive people and empaths. And I'd heard the word, I'd you know, heard the things, but again, I had never identified myself there. And I realized that you know, deeply feeling intuitive women often are very sensitive to their environment, very intuitive. And, you know, really absorb and take on other people's emotions, feelings, take responsibility for other people, because we're like super caring people. We often end up being coaches or therapists or healers of some sort. So that opened up a whole other level for me, realizing that not everybody um, absorbed things like I did. And the women that I was working with, again, in chronic pain and trauma, they all, when I would, would kind of inquire a little bit, would identify with this and not being able to, you know, hold the boundaries um, very well because they felt things so, so deeply. And um, so that, that was a real eye opener. And then I, I started developing courses around, you know, how to cope as a highly sensitive woman in this world that took me one step deeper, even Dr. Ellen, because this this part really was an eye opener. When I realized that what I was dealing with in my own life, there were three patterns that were coming up consistently in the women that I was working with. And I realized that this was a cultural, I mean, it sounds, it sounds so simple now, but it was a cultural conditioning that existed long before we got here uh, uh, for women. And when I introduced this idea to women, it relieved a lot of the guilt and the shame of there's something wrong with me. I'm not enough. I'm not, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not whatever enough, you name it. And, you know, uh, we've felt it. Yeah, we and are so conditioned that we're, well, first, we're, what I'm hearing is we're conditioned to put everyone and everything else first and thinking mm -hmm. about like, 
we're feeling other people's stuff and we want to heal them and have them feel better, but it's actually draining us. And then this other piece that you're saying of just this not enoughness. And I find that the not enoughness is really the, um, the biggest barrier to attracting what we truly want in our lives, because what then what happens if we don't feel worthy, if we don't feel like enough, then every time we get close to what we want, we sabotage ourselves because exactly. we're like, oh, I don't deserve this. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not pretty enough. All of these things of not enough. And so the universe is giving us what it is that we believe, which is you don't deserve this. So you're not going to get it. Exactly. Exactly. So all those things that women, I, I don't have enough money or I don't, I don't have the love relationship that I really want in my life. I don't have the health that I want. Um, and, and when those things would arrive in their lives, uh, there wasn't the celebration, the welcoming, the receiving of it, because the next step was, well, when's this, when's this going to go? <laughs> because I'm not worthy of holding it in my life in meaning in my body. And so there were these three patterns that I saw consistently and they, they were people pleasing. So, uh, overgiving to other people and absolutely being drained. And if I'm not giving, I'm not needed and I don't feel good enough. Uh, perfectionism that, you know, always leads to, I should be doing something else. I should be someone else and personalizing. So taking everything personally, personally, for fear of rejection, that was also a big one, that core wound of like, if I get criticized, you know, uh, you know, I'm not going to put myself out there. What if someone leaves a comment, a negative comment, uh, or, you know, criticize me. And so women not really reaching their potential for the, because of this fear that was in the way. Yeah. I just and, want to repeat, repeat yeah. those because I'm sure if you're listening, cause I know that I checked all the boxes for all three of these. So the first one is people pleasing, right? Mm -hmm. So you are turning yourself into a pretzel to please other people instead of pleasing exactly. yourself and doing what is in your best interest. You're trying to please everybody else. And then when they're not appreciative, <laughs> then you're even like, then you get resentful because it's like, I am doing everything I can to please you. So people pleasing is number one, the perfectionism, which is just awful. And that's actually something that I see in this generation all the time where we are needing to be perfect. And that's why I love self-compassion so much because the second element of self-compassion is this common humanity. We are imperfect beings. If you're listening, nobody is perfect. We all make mistakes. That is how we learn. That is how we grow. But if you've got this perfectionism thing, either you can get really stuck in procrastination because it's like, well, mm -hmm. I can't do it perfect. Or you're just not even going to start because everything has to be all lined up and perfect before you even put yourself out there. So it's definitely... Yes keeps you super stuck. And then this is one that was new for me and people pleasing perfectionism. I'm super familiar with, but this personalizing mm -hmm. this idea of, you know, everything's about me and this fear of rejection. So I love that you mm -hmm. have coined those three. So I'm really curious if you can share a little bit, what is this connection with the women you work with between the trauma and the chronic pain? Because I do meet a lot of women, work with a lot of women who have, you know, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue. I also see a lot of people with long COVID, a lot of people who are experiencing a tremendous amount of chronic pain. Again, going back, I mean, my lens, it's kind of both as a nutritionist, like, okay, how's your diet? How is your, your, your inflammatory response with the stress? But what, what are you seeing in terms of the connection between trauma and chronic pain and that healing connection that women need? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I saw this in so many, if not all of women, my women in general, uh, but particularly, you know, the women who have um, chronic pain. And, and it, it led me to dive even deeper. And I, I have a whole, you know, resource library of webinars on various topics that of interviewing other experts, because I was really curious, like, about nutrition, about movement, about, you know, emotional um, regulation. And so the I would say the biggest burgeoning area of treatment of chronic pain right now is diving into those underlying emotions underneath. And often what I'm finding is the freeze response at certain points in our life because of that cultural conditioning. So going back to, you know, a lot of high achieving women, um, you know, just like myself coming into my fifties and all of a sudden I'm fatigued. I started to have a lot of muscle aches and I, I know fibromyalgia. I work with it all the time. And I was like, this is actually, a, this, this could be happening to me. And, um, what we know now is that often either as a result of pain, this is not always, I would just want to make it clear. It's not always the cause of chronic pain. Sometimes it started by an injury, by um, an illness, uh, but it can also be caused by emotional stress. And we, and we, we know that emotional stress absolutely fuels a dysregulated or shut down nervous system that feeds central sensitization, which leads to um, chronic pain. And this was like a light bulb for me and for a lot of the, the, the people that I teach that you know, there's something that your nervous system is doing. It's not always that you have more damage in your body. Maybe you have arthritis, which, you know, we know that inflammation again um, can really fuel uh, chronic pain conditions. But the, um, I call it stuck emotional energy that sits in our body that keeps us not breathing very well, shallow, short and shallow breaths, uh, keeps us in that fight or flight. So we're really operating from like the chest up. This is not just people with chronic pain, but it keeps us in a very, um, it keeps us in a dysregulated system that, and I think this is key, is always looking outside of ourselves for an answer. Mm -hmm. I'll try. And there's nothing wrong with that search. I think we need to go through it. You know, um, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. I, I should do this. And when all those things are not really working, we need to do something different. And so I see those patterns. I'll maybe just weave this in here a little bit um, as to what kind of came next was um, I see these patterns as a particular, uh, and I'll use the word archetype, like um, a type that we can identify with when we see it coming up, like the three Ps, which is also looking outside of ourselves for approval, for validation, uh, for our worthiness, um, and um, also not being able to really, uh, you know, set very good boundaries. So really, you know, not be able to look after ourselves emotionally so well. And I always, want to say too, that yeah. none of this is your fault. It's, it sounds like you, it's important that you 
give yourself a break because what happens is when we're kids, we internal, you know, our parents tell us to like, be quiet, finish your food, keep your room clean, get good grades. Our parents are caregivers. And if we don't do those things, we are in danger of not being loved, not being cared for, being abandoned. So we internalize this inner critic. And so when we get to be adults, we have this voice of the inner critic that says, you got to please other people or you're not going to be loved. You know, you've got to like be perfect or you're going to be criticized. You know, you've got to take everything personally. Your life depends on it. So it's great that we're having this conversation saying that, yes, you can start to shine a light on these. I do a lot of what's called internal family systems work where we're looking at these parts and saying, okay, I see you and I'm going to give you a new job to do. And I'm curious, what do you do to help people once they, they start to see these patterns that you've mentioned, the three P's, the people pleaser, the perfectionism and the personalizing, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they become aware of it. Um, How do you help people get unstuck and let go of them? Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, thanks for bringing, bringing that in. Cause it all, again, relates back to those tiny T's of where we had to give up our authenticity for our attachment to our families, for survival, for our peer group. And, you know, the, our world will, will give us every single reason to uh, become disconnected from who we truly are. And I think this is why midlife is again, such a, a wonderful time to be able to, to really step into this. Yeah, so, because we, we throw yeah. we throw menopause on the fire, and then all of a sudden we don't have this estrogen that's helping to regulate the the inflammation, and we start feeling like as you said, you started to feel physically ill. It mm-hmm. wasn't just like not just not your mind or your emotions, but your body started speaking to you. So we experienced that, and then we were also experiencing maybe difficult relationships, divorce, empty nest, aging parents, looking at a career not being fulfilling, not having as much energy. So it, we, I think All midlife is really that time where we're in that chrysalis and we start to wake up and say, my life's not working. What's going mm-hmm. on here? How do I transform? So how do you help people to let go of these patterns and get yeah. unstuck so they can do this deep healing work and then start to become that butterfly? Exactly. Yeah. Cause I was in that cocoon and let me tell you, you can't, you don't know always that, that you're in a cocoon when you're in it. It just feels like this mess. And it's like, when is that light going to come? And that's yeah. like really the, the journey that they're really, uh, if you are in that place, you know, and on the outside, it's like, my life looks really good from the outside, but I'm not feeling it in my own body. I am not happy. You could be in, you know, we heard of the night, the dark night of the soul. I actually call it the dark night of the womb because, mm. and, and I'm not, you know, whether you have a, a womb or not, but it's like that incubator of um, where something new is perhaps having a chance to, to grow. And um, so noticing those times where I'm gonna, we could call it the inner child, we could call it trauma. I've chosen a term called the damsel in distress. Hmm. So it's like an old, it's an old archetype, but it's an older or younger part of you that does feel helpless and does feel powerless and doesn't know where to kind of turn anymore. And that's- You're looking for the knight in shining armor. Exactly. He or she doesn't exist. And they're not coming. So again, like there's a, can be some grief in that, you know, some sadness that maybe my relationships aren't really what they, I expected them to be. And, and that's okay. It's like coming into how things are now. 
So when you notice those those patterns and you know the, the archetype of that damsel in distress, notice it, notice her. And really the job now is to to look after her, to let her know inner child or you know uh, whatever you want to call that part, um, to really look after her, which means letting yourself, letting her know that that you're safe you know, that right now you're okay. And I would say, first of all, spot it. The next thing would be to actually, if you can, to, it's not always possible to name the emotions that you're feeling in your body. Name so it, you tame it. I said that you all name the time. It, you tame it. Yes. And you yes. feel it, you heal it. And you feel it. You have to feel it to heal it. You, um, you know, because we do jump to, well, quickly do something, or I'll take action, or I'll change my thoughts. But there's also part of you, it deeper in your body that perhaps needs some attention, some care, some loving. So to feel it in your body, to feel, you know, that, that emotion. And, you know, the two tools that I really like to use, the first is, is starting to become embodied. So start to notice where you feel it in your body and hold it, know that it's okay and ground yourself. So grounding in your feet and your seat will bring you back. So you'll notice I'm not really talking so much about thoughts, but more now about coming back to your body, finding some uh, safety in your nervous system through your feet, your seat. And then that brings me to your breath. And I would add too, for grounding, I think it's really powerful to walk barefoot on the earth, to do gardening, swimming is great, bathing in Epsom salts, you know, just getting into the animal nature of your body. So yes, let's get into breath work because yes. what I love about breath work, um, and I do breath work myself, I do a lot of, you know, Kundalini breathing, all kinds of things, is that it's the quickest, safest most cost-effective way to power down the parasympathetic. We've talked a lot about this fight, flight, freeze response and get into, I'm sorry, the sympathetic, the fight, flight, freeze response and get into the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest where you can actually heal. So yeah, tell me a little bit about yeah. it. I know you do this womb breath work. What is that? How did you get into breath work? Where can people start with breath work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it that that was a kind of a, a this you know the other part of this journey was um, you know and I will say just about grounding too. I just just want don't want to miss if you don't feel that safe in your body yet you will, but to actually have an object outside of yourself. So it might be something like you know I have some 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 rocks or nature or the sky to ground outside of yourself mm. and eventually bring it in. Um, but uh, so throughout this journey, I mean, I had been a trauma therapist for 30 years and, you know, I love EMDR and I had written a book on breathwork, uh, breathing uh, about 10 years before. And, um, and I'd, I'd done so much trauma healing. And during this time, during COVID, I, I got COVID. <laughs> and um, so I had to actually leave the house and go to, we have a cabin. Um, I went to our cabin by myself for three days, and which was great in itself because I didn't feel that sick, actually. And what woman doesn't want a few days by herself? And so I happened to be on my computer and I happened to... Um, join in a transformational breathwork journey. And I thought, oh, what the heck, you know, I, I'll, I'll do this while, while I'm here. I've got the time. 
And I took this transformational breathwork journey, which was very different than the breathwork I'd taught before. So it wasn't so much the slowing down, relaxing, parasympathetic breathing. And I thought, oh, what's this? An hour and a half later, I was blown away. I literally finished that journey immediately within the next minute, signed up for, uh, to get trained as a breathwork guide and knew that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life because wow. the, it was, it was instant. And I knew that I knew this was for me. And I started uh, as soon as I was trained or even as I, in my practicum started doing it with my clients and they found the same thing that I did. And it was, we would come out the end and they would just say, I don't know what happened there, but I feel like I've healed more in that hour or, you know, whatever it was than I would have talking for 10 years. And I absolutely felt that in my own nervous system, in my own body. Wow, and that's I, I want to say that's super powerful on a couple levels. First, if you're listening and you're thinking, I get this from women all the time, is like, I have no idea what's next for me. You've got to follow the breadcrumbs of what you love and what you're interested in and your intuition. Intuition was like, yeah, I should do this thing. And that led you to this whole new line of work. And then I also love, you know, I'm all for therapy. You know, I'm a coach. I don't do therapy. I do coaching, which is a different animals, but sometimes we need the therapy. Sometimes we need to, you know, look at trauma, but then also there are so many new modalities coming by. Like we're using a lot of psycho, you know, a lot of, um, uh, psilocybin and ketamine and all of these kinds of, um, substances with, in conjunction with therapy and breath work and all of these things. So, you know, yes, if you're listening and I'm experiencing trauma, you know, reach out to Madeline, reach out and look at some of these other techniques, because I hear this all the time from people. I've been in therapy for years and I did this Mm -hmm. thing. And, you know, within, you know, five, six weeks, I made this huge leap transformation. So I love that you're sharing both how you found your midlife calling your next chapter professionally mm-hmm. right. as well. And I'm curious too, to sort of round all of this out, how did doing this breath work this, this, how did it help to transform you? Because mm-hmm. I knew you, you were saying like, I was in this place of, it sounds like burnout and, you know, stress and anxiety. How did, how did your own personal transformation happen? Yeah. Where you are yeah. Today? That's really what kind of led me forward. And, and, um, and I should say, I was also, you know, doing some work at ketamine and, and a psychedelic therapy clinic at the time oh. and seeing these journeys happen. I thought, that's kind of what happens during mm-hmm. only you're in charge. So, right. And you don't so, need to take those substances. Yeah. 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 Which I, I really, you know, I believe in, in all of those ways. And, and there is a place talking, I still do psycho, you know, fair amount of psychotherapy as well. So it's like this now it's my, the smorgasbord has just kind of opened a little bit, but what happened initially was I healed a part of my life. And I knew this intuitively in my body. Um, in the first few days after the breathwork journey, it was a particular part of my life that I felt, um, ashamed about, like, I felt like I should, you know, hide this part of me. It was during my teenage years where I really didn't know which way was up and which way was down. And, um, and I just knew from various new insights, awarenesses, um, thoughts I had that that part of me um, was here and was acknowledged and was loved. So that was like the first thing I was like, you know, that was my first awareness. The second thing I noticed that, you know, almost immediately for me is I started just caring less, far less 
and you know, not really much at all about what other people thought of me. And that showed up in my behavior. And so I was speaking more in situations. I was speaking up, I was showing up and I really didn't really care, which is kind of interesting. You quashed the people pleaser. I, I must have without having to even think about it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the third thing I noticed, and I'll talk about how I got to womb breath work is that I started immediately feeling more creative, feeling more intuitive, more willing to take risks, more willing to be messy. I took a painting class. I started writing more, like really writing from my, my heart for my, my, and not, and putting it out there. And I don't really care what anybody says. Like those are my first immediate things that I noticed. Um, of course, those fears rise again and I can see them, you know, and they, they, you know, comes, comes and goes. But those were my first immediate um, things myself. And it changed everything because I just felt more connected with me, with my true authentic self, not this other part of me that I was presenting to the world. Yeah, that is, that is truly, truly beautiful. Amazing, amazing story. I am so grateful that you came on today. Um, so if people want to reach out to you, so if people want to work with you, learn your womb breath work, where do they go? Um, I have a YouTube channel that I've really started showing up a lot on. It's uh, find your fire, uh, birth, your inner crone. And okay. I'm kind of reclaiming the word word crone because uh, meaning queen or, um, you know, the wise woman inside of you, your authentic true self. So my YouTube channel is a good place. My website is mindful living now. And that's where I usually post a lot of my uh, breathwork, my online breathwork journeys, um, as well as my courses. Um, and we'll put and, all of that in the show notes too. So okay, if you're listening perfect. and you want to get in touch with Madeline, it is all there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing today. I really, really appreciate it. And just one last question. How are you rocking your midlife? Mm. I'm taking a fair amount of time off and how I got to that, particularly, you know, this, this summer, um, how I got to that was getting very specific as you can tell about what I like to do, what I enjoy doing and really doing that rather than spreading myself too, too thin. And, you know, for all your listeners, I feel like the more we can really hone in on what our real passions, inspirations, genius levels are of where we, you know, it could be like this big, um, to really follow that, as you said, follow those breadcrumbs. And that's allowed me to um, have more, have more, uh, you know, free time. And I took a windsurfing course last week. (laughs) Good for you. I know I've got, I've got uh, surfing on my list of of things to do. Well, thank you so much for joining and thank you all for being here today. I hope that you have gained wisdom from Madeline and what she has shared today. If you want to get in touch with me, just go to the midlifewhisper.com. That's the midlifewhisper.com. And if you're enjoying today's show, please leave me a review. It just helps other women find the show. Thank you again, Madeline. Thank you all. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Rock Your Midlife. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. Midlife can be challenging. You may be sandwiched between growing kids and aging parents, dealing with menopause or a health issue, and trying to find work-life balance. Or maybe your life looks good on the outside, but inside you're feeling stuck and wondering, 
how to get your confidence, energy, and joy back. Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I hear you and I've got you. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, registered dietitian, nutritionist, board-certified health and wellness coach, and mindful self-compassion teacher. I'm also an author and podcast host with over 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. I provide inspiration and wisdom to help you transform your health, your mindset, your relationships, and your life so you can rock midlife. 